this is Podark Fancast, a podcast created by fangirls to further our obsession with the Podark saga. And we're your hosts. My name is Rita, I live in England, I tumble at Princess of Podark, and I tweet at Rita Bites. And I'm Michelle. I live in this. Uh, you can find me on Tumblr when I'm around. <coughs> Cough uh, at Poldark Muses, and I tweet at Musings. And we're back. <laughs> we took a little break following the conclusion of season five on the BBC, but we wouldn't leave you guys hanging without a discussion of the PBS version of the season. No. For a full recap and analysis of our episodes one and two please check out fancast episodes 62 who you're gonna call ghostbusters and episode 63 people suck uh for those of you unaware um the american airing of the season is significantly shorter than its uk counterpart in the most part to make room for the lengthy sponsored by adverts before and after every episode This, in turn, means that quite a significant chunk of screen time is lost, and we're here to tell you what you're missing and to moan about how that ruins the show. Yay! Mm. Now, Michelle, you made copious notes about what we missed in episode 501, so let's get to it. Okay, so um, the very tail end of Ross's little boating trip, you know, as he's kind of sitting in the water. They have some of that, but they cut the tail end of that as well as George's departure from Trenwith, you know, with all the servants standing around outside. Um, This is pretty significant because uh, when George goes out to the carriage, Valentine is in the window. You know the one. The window. The window of doom! Yes! And when he's spotted, he ducks down and, you know, basically says, you know, I won't go. I won't go. Uh, He does not want to leave Trenwith. He does not want to go to Truro. And I think this uh, shows um, a little bit of that pluck that uh, Valentine has, but also the fact that he's still mourning uh, the loss of his mom. Um, the next thing that they cut was, um, you know, the, the scene where Ross and Jeffrey Charles go to George to request funds for the military, uh, and George flatly refuses, uh, to, uh, provide that. Ross offers a second option, uh, that George give Jeffrey Charles real leisure. And at that point, you know, they do this dramatic zoom in on George and, you know, and he says, you know, let me make this you know, like perfectly clear or something like that, that real leisure will never be a Poldark mine again. Uh, and so they, they cut that little section out. So after they leave George's place, um, the next uh, scene that we see is Jeffrey Charles going into Trenwith during the day and somberly walking through the, the dining room and he removes the sheet uh, from his mother's portrait. Uh, and, you know, stares up at it kind of mournfully. Um, the next thing that we miss is Tess's first speech to the others down on the key, um, you know, proposing as, you know, proposing to do what the French did, you know, basically revolution. Um, Drake warns Sam to steer clear of her. Um, and yet Sam is thinking about her poor, poor soul. And says something along the lines of, you know, you know, if if she, 
repents, you know, she'll be the, the, basically the biggest score because she's kind of the one that is sinning the most, if that makes any sense, which it doesn't. Jesus loves her hard to get, so. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, that was cut. And I think there's a trend coming. Um, Rita's going to be happy about this one, though. Um, the scene where Drake and Marwenda get into their wee tiny bed and wish each other a chaste good night. <laughs> no, that scene is unintentionally hilarious. <laughs> oh, spawned a thousand memes. Oh, God. And honestly, you would think that, you know, if they're experiencing the, the difficulties that they're having, um, you know, with marital life, they would have gotten us bigger bed, you know? <laughs> Especially isn't he a carpenter? He could literally yeah. just like make make well, a Well he's a he's a blacksmith, but you know. He was carpenter before. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh so the scene where Cecily and her maid are preparing to leave for the abolitionist meeting. Um Fair enough. And uh, you know, we've already been introduced to Cecily, you know, when she goes to meet um Warleg, the war leggings. Um, I don't know how significant uh, this particular this scene particularly is, but um, you know, if they, uh, personally, if they had to cut something, this was one that that could have been cut and not yeah. uh, harmed the show. There's a scene where Ned is shadow boxing. Um, you know, after yeah, you know, he has. You know, after Ross has had his conversation with Wickham and said, you know, well, he's a changed man, blah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And then we see Ned shadow boxing. And then we go back to the play um, where Ross rejoins his friends after having his little tete-a-tete with uh, Wickham. Not Mr. Wickham. Not that Mr. Wickham, no, no. And then the... um, the section where the jailer goes down and opens the uh, jail door and says to Ned, you're free to go. So they, they cut that scene. So That's not a very long scene. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I, I swear to you, they're making these wee bitty micro cuts throughout the show because I did a pretty good job at syncing up um, the view I was watching, the... Um, version that was on the BBC on my phone while I had the one that aired on PBS on the television. And I had them pretty well synced up, um, you know, starting at the beginning. And inevitably, the uh, one on the television would speed ahead a little bit, um, and I would have to resync it. And they're making these tiny little cuts maybe you know at the end of the b-roll when they're doing a lot of the scenery shots of cornwall um you know the the streets of london you know that kind of thing they may be making little tiny cuts on either end uh just to try and make up that time but honestly i honestly don't know how they manage to cut as much out as they do for the airing on pbs um it's pretty amazing i'll have to give them credit for that um that they're able to do it but um i think the cuts become a little more 
um, egregious as as we're gonna go along. So, um, did the cuts affect the episode quality though for you? Well, that's the thing. Um, some of what they're cutting are the the things that go into the character and the storyline uh, development, um, particularly as they're setting the stage for um, Valentine's pull towards Ross. Um, you know, we see Ross acknowledging uh, Valentine as he's sitting underneath his father's desk at the bank or wherever they're at. They may have be, they may have been at at the um, house in Truro, but um, you know they you see Ross notice the the boy under the table, um, but the little things that are. Um, kind of factoring into the reason why he's pulled towards Ross are missing. You know, his father is distant, um, you know, maybe for good reason. He's mourning. Um, but still, um, you know, his father is distant. Uh, the maid barely speaks to him. Um, and he is... Um, most comfortable at Trenwith instead of going over to Truro, he is struggling and not having the kind of close uh, relationship that he would like to with his father. And here is this um, man who his mother introduced him to, um, you know, and there's a pull. There's a pull. And and so we're we're missing some of that that character development. Um, it's there enough to make a point, but we're missing, we're missing a lot of the fantastic nuances that the young actor who played Valentine uh, offered us in the version on BBC. Um, another example that they've made are you know, some of the cuts that they've made to the Jeffrey Charles Cecily story. They're small, but they add a little more flavor, a little more... Um, kind of here's the reason why this is going to happen and develop and that type of thing. One thing I will say is that I'm really, really glad that they didn't slice up the scene where Jeffrey Charles was remembering his mother after seeing the mother and child playing in Hyde Park, um, because I thought that that was, that was one of the first moments where we saw just how good Freddie Weiss is. Um, and how good his performance is, as well as the chemistry that is developing between he and Lily Dodsworth Evans. I think I got her name right. Yeah, you I did. Think. Um, um, and we see that that chemistry that is is really developing between them. Um, and I think if not for the natural chemistry that happens between those two, some of the things that are cut that develop the uh, the storyline and the character arc, um, we would be missing that. They're so good, we still get the point, if that makes any sense. Definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, what worries me about this is that they seem to be going for storylines that... I mean, we really, really enjoyed, but later on in the season, we realized that they weren't really getting as much screen time as some of the others. Yeah. I know it's tempting not to cut 
the storylines that seem more prominent or more important. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there's so much Ned coming. Yeah. I don't know if it needs as much prominence as some of the other storylines that seem less important, but mm-hmm. that I think are some of the best storylines of the season. So. Yeah. 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 There's, I think they're going, we're going to wind up seeing a, um, an imbalance as we get deeper into the season. But I don't want to be negative Nelly. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. I want to try and stay optimistic. Speaking of later, shall we get into episode two? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's do that. Um, one of the scenes that was cut uh, is the scene with Cecily and her father and his opinion of her reading material. Remember, um, I can't remember the name of the book that she was reading, but it was um, kind of one of the first feminist novels that had come out, um, you know, way back then. And uh, so. You know, Cess, her father basically is is basically deriding the reading material and the announcement of George's uh, upcoming visit to their home, um, you know, because he's trying to marry her off, of course. Um, anyhow, so they cut that scene. Um, they cut the scene where we see Ross running around all over London looking for Bannon time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which is fine, you know, that that's fine. Um, you know, again, if they had to cut something, that would be a good one to cut. Um, there's a scene where Ross and Ned are um, getting ready to take um, Demelza and Kitty out to Vauxhall Gardens. And um, they are, you know, like, tying their neckerchiefs and things like that. And um, they're talking about the women they were supposed to marry after the war. You know, Ned was some Irish heiress and, of course, Ross to Elizabeth. Um, and how ultimately they wound up making the right choice. And you see kind of both of them looking out of the, the uh, like, bedroom door and seeing both Demelza and Kitty kind of framed in the, you know, playing with the children. And, you know, it's very That's pretty. such a cute scene. Um, <laughs> It is. It is. Um, the scene where Ross is sharing what happened at his meeting with Bannantyne with Demelza. You know, here is the kind of the, the culmination of all of the trauma that we went through in uh, the previous seasons about the two of them not talking um, with Ross not sharing what's going on, um, you know, that kind of thing. And here we have uh, a really great example of Ross sharing uh, what happened during the meeting, asking for her opinion. Um, it is also at that point when Demelza notices someone uh, down on the street kind of lurking around outside. Um, and, you know, then, then she goes on to continue her conversation with Ross about Ned's situation. Um, so, you know, <laughs> this is, this is supposed to, to help us understand that Ross and Demelza are really functioning well as a married couple. Um, and so that, that was cut and it was a good chunk of scene time. And I quite liked the moment when Demelza notices something that Ross doesn't. Yeah, me too. Me You're supposed too. to be a spy, Ross. <laughs> and it's like, yo, dude, you're being followed. Dude, right right over there. Right over there. 
Um, uh, here we go. Uh, the scene with Sam and Tess at Nampara when uh, Sam comes up and, you know, Prudy, queen of Nampara, is there, um, you know, having Tess do some work. And it's the first time that Tess is really, truly flirty with Sam. And Sam it's kind bitch. of, you know, kind of kind of runs away at that point. Yeah. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Sam. R.I.P. Yeah. Seriously. Um, the scene uh, of Ross in Parliament making speeches about Ned, the slave trade, and Ned's efforts to stop the slave trade. So one of Ross's speeches is cut. Don't worry, we have 17 more coming throughout yeah, the season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, and as the gang is walking in Hyde Park, um, there is, you know, and Ned is getting the, you know, good job, Colonel, blah, blah, blah. Um, Ned and Ross, uh, shift off camera. And then next up, we see the ladies kind of congratulating themselves on the work that they did on handing out all of the pamphlets. So that is omitted. That's such a good scene. I guessed that. Uh, yeah, I mean the the handing out of stuff is still there, but the scene where the th- the the three are are basically saying nicely done, well done, yes, yes, um, that's gone. As is Jeffrey Charles' announcement to Cecily that he is returning to Cornwall. Um, oh. And yeah, yeah. So again, uh, losing um, another little piece of that budding relationship. And then finally, um, the scene, you know, after, uh, you know, Carrie has rushed George out of London because he's really starting to hallucinate about Elizabeth. Um, and, you know, he gets him back to Trenwith. And honest to God, why would you take the man back to Trenwith <laughs> if he's having issues with Elizabeth? I suppose it's you know? the most private of the estates. Truro, if he runs outside in his nighty, the whole street will see <laughs> Well, there, there, there's that. But um, yeah, I, I just, I, I have difficulties. Um, but the scene um, towards the very end of the episode where George comes downstairs and he is in his nighty. Um, <laughs> Hashtag nighty acting. Yes. And he is full on in hallucination mode. You know, full on in hallucination mode. And Uncle Carrie is, is looking very concerned and slightly annoyed at the whole whole thing. He's like, this is inconvenient for me. Exactly. Um, It's cutting into our business, dude. Um, Anyhow, so... Wasn't that the cliffhanger of the episode? It was like, George has gone mad. Well, like... Yeah. How did they end the episode then? They ended the episode... Well, it wasn't necessarily a cliffhanger, but it was um, the... kind of the dramatic... uh, the dramatic piece of the, you know, of the end, the way they ended it was, you know, the, the picnic, um, on the beach with the family and, you know, everybody's running around and having a nice time. And, and then Ballantyne is dead. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, I seem and, to have yeah. forgot that so, that's how it ended. So yeah. So that's how they, that's how they ended the scene. They, but they omitted the, the George's first appearance in nighty mode. be weary to cut any of the George content, to be honest. Exactly, exactly. And that's one of my biggest concerns here is, 
uh, they seem to be limiting uh, some of the scenes of George's descent into madness. And honestly, if they do much more of that, then, I mean, it's going to be, in my opinion, and I know I'm being um, hyperbolic about this, but it would be criminal. Definitely. Because yeah. of Jack Farthing's amazing performance this season. Um, and again, a lot of the things that were cut um, is adding that color commentary that we want to see, that we like to see in the development of these relationships. Um, and I, I hate to say it, and like I, I, I seem to have implied before, um, I think they're aiming to dilute, uh, to dilute um, Sam's place in the story once again. It's not very surprising at this point, but uh, no, I wonder if any no. of our American listeners are like, why is Rita always going on about this Sam character? Who is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, depressing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that. Uh, other than that, um, I think that the episode was okay. The episode did fine. Um, I just really missed some of that color commentary. And for those of you that are watching uh, in the U.S. for the first time, um, if you get the DVD, you do get the full episode. So uh, you know, it's not like you will be missing this in its entirety. Um, the DVD has the full episodes. Also, uh, if you watch on um, PBS Passport, um, they have the full episodes as well as uh, what is on Amazon Prime Video. Those are also the full episodes. So there is hope. There is hope. It's like, hey, don't watch it live. You're getting a worse quality show. <laughs> <laughs> which is like completely contradictory to what you should be doing and that is supporting exactly mm -hmm. so now it's time to head into our inbox um speaking yes of uh the dvds we had a question about them yeah uh this is from anonymous um does anyone know if the season five dvd has any commentary or extras and if so what are they okay so the dvd at least in the uk has a commentary track for the final episode and a whole bunch of cast interviews and mini features with lots of backstage tidbits on it. Um, I have the DVDs, actually. I always pre-order them, but it's still wrapped in plastic at the moment. <laughs> I've not found the need to rewatch the show yet. Uh, but when I finally get around to opening it, I'll tell you what I think of the commentary track. I wonder who's <laughs> on it. I suspect that there's not an Eleanor and Aiden. Aiden commentary track like there have been hmm. for previous seasons i think it's just aiden yeah if any of you uh, have more information on the commentary um drop us a note and uh, we'll be sure to to share it with um the folks on our blog um another question from anonymous uh congrats on the 100th episode or the 100th podcast i imagine it was not easy so thanks for all you girls hard work I become a fan of you girls as much as I am the show. Oh, thank you. Um, gotta say that I had a hard time finishing the hundredth, though. Not any, not for anything you did. I had a hard time with all the people defending Ross about the lies. It all sounds a little sexist, chauvinistic, and irks me a little. But you girls keep me going because I was starting to think I was crazy on the thought that the plot made zero sense. I'm glad I'm not alone. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, and you are definitely yes. not alone. Our season five recap 
episode was just filled to the brim with listeners who were trying to explain the whole man lies to partner to protect her trope to us. Guys, for the record, this isn't our first rodeo. We understood that <laughs> what Debbie was tr- going for with the storyline. We just didn't like it. <laughs> the stakes were, su- were not sufficiently explained to us. How was Demelza yeah. in danger exactly? You might say, oh, well, she's in danger. But how? How? (laughs) And as you so perfectly summarized, Anon, this trope is incredibly sexist and chauvinist and completely at odds with the character of Ross in the novels, who for all his terrible traits was never this patronizing about quote-unquote protecting Namelza. Preach. That um, I recently re-listened to that episode. We, we, you could see us like losing a call the more that went on. <laughs> we were just like, <laughs> we have no, no chill. <laughs> okay, so our next uh, one is from another anonymous. They said, "Yay, one hundred pedamains." Um, no, obrigado for the Portuguese. Uh, about the last podcast, I 100%... Oh, wait, I don't even know how many numbers that is. 100%? I'm just going to go with 100%, but there's a lot of zeros, people. 100%... I, I think it's I think it's 10 billion percent. Wow, that's a lot of percent. It's early, and I could be missing a comma. Um, I agree with Michelle that it's not the audience's job to headcanon these huge plot holes for the characters' actions to make sense. It's not between the lines kind of thing. It's just crap and lazy writing. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Damn. Romelza deserved a better last episode. I could deal with the crap last season yeah. if the last episode was good, but it was all very anticlimactic. I was watching season one these days, and I can't see how season five was made by the same people. Ooh. <laughs> oh, man. They're already oh, on the ground. Stop Nani, kicking you... them. <laughs> Nani went in. <laughs> Season one is very, very good, though. Well, series one is absolutely sublime. Um, it is. Oh, God, I love that season. Um, and I think that, you know, we wound up getting hooked in. Uh, by that season and it really set the expectations to be astronomical really 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 high so if you go back on my blog you will find me being like everyone watch poldark it's a perfect television show and uh (laughs) how the tables have turned or as michael scott would say (laughs) turntables Uh, we have another anonymous message. Uh, if you haven't listened to Mining Poldark on the Masterpiece website, you might find it interesting. For episode six of series two, Barrett and Robin Ellis give Ross a three on a scale of ten for being a hero good guy because of giving Elizabeth the 600 pounds. <laughs> Yay! Uh, they were disgusted with him and would have given him even a lower score, but they said... They had to save a lower <laughs> score for what's to come. Oh, I love that. Oh. 
Oh my god, I know what I'm listening to on my way into work today. God, as if I didn't love Robin Ellis enough. Uh, I know, right? That's interesting also because long-time listeners of this show will know that my biggest gripe with Ross is that screw sleeping with Elizabeth, giving her money, and then letting his own family starve boggles me. WTF, Ross. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's it's pretty egregious behavior. Damn it, if he wasn't so pretty, we'd be so much more angry with him. <laughs> He's pretty, Ugh. but his hair sure isn't. Not in that, not in oh, Series God. 2. Do you think Series 2 is worse than Series it, 5? Actually, when we compare the two, honestly, I think I would prefer the Series 2 shorter hair. And I I think that it would probably look a lot better given the uh, Regency fashion. Oh yeah, of the day. Actually, for series five, it would have been quite good yeah. look. But I'm just yeah. like not really a fan of how permed it looked. <laughs> yes. Like, sometimes it was like he had just been put in curlers, and that's a bit no. That's a bit of a no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, there was also. Um, have we just stumbled into hashtag wig talk? Yes, wig talk. I think we did. We just slid in there. Um, but, um, you know, I think that we also had some of the most um, egregious continuity um, errors made with the hair in yeah. series two. Because, you know, we would go from seeing him, you know, with his serious puff of hair to the next scene with it much shorter and it it was it was kind of like oh my god make up your minds people oh god make up your minds a mess yeah um um an ex anonymous said hi currently reading the 11th book this uh, which the twisted sword oh twisted source and it's a brilliant read so far cover your ears if you don't want spoilers ross and demelza in paris love it i always loved the earlier books and i really struggled with the later ones because there were hardly any romelza content but i'm really shocked with this book wonder what made winston graham concentrate on the products again glad he did because they are poldark in my opinion and no others will do (laughs) you know there are there are some truly lovely um Romelza moments uh, all through the uh, later books. Um, and um, I do agree that the scene of Ross and Demelza in Paris is one of my absolute favorites uh, in Twisted Sword. God, middle-aged Romelza is the best Romelza. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Demelza, you know, Ross is just so proud of walking around with his beautiful wife, you know, it's just, it, I, I just love it so much. <laughs> love it. <sighs> book club. We will get to it in book club. <laughs> uh, another anonymous message. Um, apparently, Debbie Horsfield wanted 10 episodes for series five, and the BBC said, no, do this on a budget. She wanted to include Jeremy seeing a steam train for the first time, and they said it was too expensive. How wonderful this show would have been with the luxury of a bigger budget and 10 episodes each series. I think there was still too much Ned, but this would have solved a lot of that. 
more time to understand some of the plots, e.g. Tess and the French. Tess even had a backstory that was completely deleted. She was a kitchen maid. God. Okay, so every season we get an anonymous writing in telling us, saying that, oh, Debbie wanted such and such, and the BBC wouldn't give it to her, as if it's the BBC's fault. I don't know what you guys' sources are. Maybe that's not an accurate reflection of what she's trying to say. But if this is the case, then insert an eye roll emoji here, because no amount of cash or episodes would have saved some of the writing choices she made. And make no mistake, she made them this time. She can't Mm -hmm. blame them on Winston Graham. She was creating her own narrative and still managed to way overstuff the show with nonsense and then rush the ending, which she's done on every goddamn season of this adaptation. I'm just gonna say it, she doesn't have a good grasp on pacing a season. And that's the cold hard truth. Damn, girl. Damn, Hashtag girl. not the BBC's fault. <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, you are right. You know, ultimately, um, she is the one that is writing the adaptation. Um, she knows what the limitations are. Um, and so it should be um, up to her to write the series so that it fits within the confines of what she's been given. Um, and, you know, if it means that some of the uh, ridiculousness goes out the window, then fine. If it means that, you know, we have to curtail maybe one of the billion scenes of Ned screaming about the Mad King or, um, you know, uh, him punching a wall or something along those lines, then that's what needs to happen if it's going, if it's in service to the storyline. So, uh, you know, like the, some of the things that were cut out for the, um, PBS, uh, airing, you know, the scene where, you know, Ned is punching a wall, fine, punch the wall, (laughs) you know, get rid of that. You know, because it's it's not necessary to show that he's a little unhinged. We we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of that. We don't need all of the crazy scenes. We really don't. And the the idea that like ten episodes would have made it more balanced, I think, is just it's it's. We would have been more sick of Ned. Oh God, what would have happened was the Ned storyline would have dragged out for even longer. I know. That, the, I know. She makes the same mistakes in every single adaptation of every single book. She drags some storylines out to the point that she can't conclude the others. This is like mm-hmm. a pattern in her writing, and I don't think that yeah. we can blame the BBC for her writing choices, especially not. Mm-mm on the last season that was entirely constructed by her. She yeah. had the the time and space to write whatever she wanted, and she chose to plan it out like six episodes of Ned and then a French invasion of Cornwall in two episodes. Like, who yeah. does that? Yeah, I know. <sighs> anyway, on to brighter stuff. <laughs> Rage. <laughs> it's time for Paul Dark News. Paul Dark News. Paul Dark News. So 
Firstly, um, our congratulations go out to Gabriella Wilde. Yay! Uh, during our break, she announced her pregnancy on Instagram, and as of her last post, she's now four days overdue. So, <laughs> hopefully, she's given birth by now, and baby and mum are doing well. Congratulations! Oh. And also, while we were gone, the trailer for Eleanor Tomlinson's next TV gig. Uh, War of the Worlds, based on H.G. Wells' novel, and not that shitty Tom Cruise movie, finally landed, <laughs> and it looks like a lot of fun. There's still no release date as of yet. It's still tentatively set to premiere in autumn 2019. I mean, it is autumn well, 2019. here we <laughs> are! Autumn's gonna end next month, like, hurry up! Um, but it should be on the BBC soon, hopefully. Cool. Uh, in other Eleanor Tomlinson news, she's joined Joss Whedon's new HBO series, The Nevers, which is an upcoming Yay! sci-fi drama. The show will focus on a gang of Victorian women known as The Touched, who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that could change the world. Cue dramatic music. Oh, cool. Also cast was uh, James Norton, who most people will know from Grantchester. He fine, fine, fine. Mm. He also previously worked with Eleanor on Death Comes to Pemberley, and I once saw him on a mm-hmm. tube on the tube in London. So I'm a, I'm a fan. Ooh! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Did did you did you did you silently squee to yourself? Oh my god! No, but like I wasn't getting on that train, so I just like saw him standing there, uh, and the door shut, and oh. I was like, oh, that was my one chance. <laughs> But I have to go somewhere else. (laughs) He's so hot. Um, Oh, God, he's so lovely. In a bizarre twist, Christian Bressington is the star of a new Flash advert. He's selling speedy mops. (laughs) What? I've spent weeks watching it come on the television in delight. Make that money, boo. (laughs) Unfortunately, I can't find the link for the the advert on youtube yeah but when i do i will post it and i'm sure you all find it as odd as i do like oh my god i can't wait in other news you need to get your tickets our most beloved jack farthing will be starring for one night only at the barbican theater london on the 21st of october and alison balsam's gabriel about a trumpet player in restoration london so expect some wigs people (laughs) <laughs> i have googled and aiden turner appears to have gone missing we will keep you <laughs> up to date if any sightings are made of this elusive creature um <laughs> um actually he's got some things that are coming up um apparently the um movie love is blind um is going to wind up in the U- u.s theaters um november 8th so uh, look for your artsy theater in your town so you can go and see that movie. Uh, so he'll be on the big screen. In the UK, it's on Amazon Prime for free. Wow. So watch it. Or if you're like me, just keep adding it to your list and, and forgetting <laughs> to watch it. <laughs> oh. um, he's also um, going to be... Um, joining the cast of The Last Planet, which is a movie uh, 
by Terrence Malick. Oh my god! Uh, we know how much. Yeah, we know how much he enjoys working with uh, Terrence Malick. Uh, this is a starry, under the radar life of Christ. Oh um, god! And uh, Aiden is going to play the Apostle Andrew. So uh, uh, some of the other uh, cast members, um, Geza Ro- Rorig will play Jesus. I know I just massacred that. Um, Matthias Schoenarts, he's he's gorgeous, will play uh, Apostle Peter, and Mark Rylance will be Satan. Uh, the <laughs> cast also includes Joseph Fiennes, Ben Kingsley, Douglas Booth, uh, Tarfik Barhom, uh, Martin McMahon, Ori Pfeiffer, Shadi Mari. Um, so yeah, so that that's what's happening with with the child. Um, I don't know what else is up with him, but I mean, if you're trying to find him in in life, <laughs> he's just where is he? He's taking a he's taking a break, he's growing that beard <laughs> out. He's <laughs> Not working out, thank God. He doesn't have to scythe topless for a while. Let him rest. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Uh, oh, I and he's also going to wind up at a um Comic Con. Ooh. Um, I want to say it is in Wales. I think. Um. So yeah. Isn't Wales and, where? And uh, they... Dean is also going to be there too. Isn't Wales where they shot the one where he mm-hmm. was a vampire? Yes. Yes, that, yes, yes, so indeed. That makes sense. Being human. Um, yeah, so it's my baby blank. Because, like, when I think whales and shooting now, I think of a discovery of witches. Because I'm haven't heard of that one, but it's the one with Matthew Good that to... I was like obsessed with during. Oh yes, he's also a vampire. Oh, I think it's yes. like very good for vampire shows. <laughs> <laughs> you shooting a vampire show? Go to Wales. Yeah. Yes, um, he is going to be at the Wales Comic Con, um, and that is December the 8th. Uh, Dean O'Gorman, who played his brother Feely in The Hobbit, uh, is also going to attend uh, both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, it's going to be in Wexham, North Wales. Ooh, so, North Wales. For those of you that are, yeah, for those of you that are um, in the UK and can make it over there, Go forth and give us news. Also, maybe can someone consider starting a period drama kind of version of Comic-Con because we're fans too, but we're not catered to and it's not fair. (laughs) And clearly people like dressing up in this fandom as well. So, Yes, yes. So that is all from us for this week's podcast. Uh, We'll be back in a fortnight with another recap of what the PBS version is cutting in episodes three and four. If you're watching along, please feel free to get in contact either by emailing us at poldarkfancast at gmail.com or finding us on social media. We are poldarkfancast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, which will help us get the word out about the podcast. And don't forget to check out our merch. Rita, what's the address for that thing? It just, it's too complicated. Go to Tee Public, T-E-E Public, um, and then just search Poldark Fancast. Search for yeah. Poldark Fancast. Or just Poldark, because yes. we make the best stuff on there, okay? Oh, well, see, there you go. Um, anyhow, thanks for listening, and we will see thanks. you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
is lovelier the second time around Just as wonderful with both feet on the ground It's the second time you hear your love song being sung Makes you think perhaps that love like youth Has been wasted on the young and loves more comfy The second time you fall Like a friendly home The second time you call Who can say What led us to This miracle that we found There are those who bet Love comes but once and yet I'm so glad we met The second time around And love's more swinging The second time you fall Ooh, like a friendly home The second time you go But once and yet I'm so glad we met The second time around Love's more swinging The second time around Love's just plain groovy The second time around Oh, love is crazy Crazy the second time around Love is swinging, 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 swinging